0: Hi, everyone. It's Chrissy here from CS2, and we're here with the Forward Thinking Podcast. Um, On today's episode, we have Courtney Chatterton, and she's the content marketing specialist at Hyperproof. Um, Before that, Courtney has had a history of working in demand gen operations um, and then also working with like RevOps communities. But today we're going to go a little bit of a sidestep from our typical content, but talk about mental health, um, something that's super important. just in general. I mean, mental health, it it is health. It is a big part of your health. And I think um, it's great to talk about, especially in this space of like B2B tech, especially right now. Um, And also for a lot of us folks who are in like high demanding jobs, mental health is huge and can play a big part of how it impacts us at our jobs. So um, yeah, I'm excited to dive in uh, to the topic. So welcome to the podcast, Courtney. Courtney. Well, we always kind of kick it off with a little bit of an origin story and like how you got into the space of B2B and then also into some operations roles. And now as a content marketing uh, specialist, and I know you've also done freelance, so you've kind of been all over in different uh, ways. So yeah, just want to hear a little bit from you kind of um, how your path started and how you got to where you are today.
1: Yeah. So originally I started at a B2B communications consultancy. So that was working with a lot of companies trying to communicate health benefits and other benefits to their employees. So it was kind of dry, but it was it was definitely B2B. We worked with a lot of like fortune companies. But um, from there, I finally made the jump into B2B SaaS. So I've been in software since 2019. Um, and that in such startup years is basically a decade. <laughs> um, but I, I started in nonprofit tech. So working with nonprofits, trying to sell them the CRM to help manage their constituents. And then from there I was in content marketing and I really enjoyed that. And like most operations folks will tell you, I kind of fell into operations. I wasn't really operations and the true sense of the word, I was doing email marketing, which is my like hot take there is that email marketing is not necessarily always marketing operations. Yeah. It's kind of both. It's kind of its own niche now, mm-hmm. especially as email's grown as a channel in 2020 on. But I was running email marketing programming. And then I went on to a healthcare B2B technology company and was really involved with marketing operations working most days with the revenue operations team and just like getting my feet very wet in all of what operations is about and i found that i did not like it (laughs) (laughs) it was too high stress it was too high pressure it was too it was too much and i ended up having to take a leave of absence because my mental health was absolutely shot and then I came back and I was like, you know what, I don't think I can do this anymore. So one thing I did know is I knew operations people and I knew how they thought about the world and the problems they saw in B2B. And so I thought, okay, I'll become a writer in the space. And so I did that freelance for about six months. And then I landed an in-house content marketing role. and, And it's a really cool space. It's compliance and cybersecurity. So trying to keep everyone compliant. And it it's very relevant right now, especially with all of the privacy changes coming up. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's kind of my career in a nutshell.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I like I, I think people are like, wait, she's saying that she didn't like ops. It's like, yeah, that is right. Uh, Courtney actually figured out what was best for her and being an advocate for herself, which is uh, I wanted to make sure we talked about that on the podcast because I think uh, people need to be kind of realistic when they look at their career paths and even just like within the roles that you have and figure out what's going to really work for you. And, um, you know, a lot of the times that doesn't mean just what you're good at or maybe what people are telling you, you should go, but really kind of tuning in and listening into yourself to figure out. What's really going to, you know, help keep you mentally healthy, but also happy. So I I appreciate your candidness. And I think that's something that is, you know, very wise. I think that people are very scared to do. um, Just to kick it off, I want to hear from you why mental health is so important and what inspires you to be an advocate for mental health.
1: So one of the one of the Memorial Day weekends I spent in college, um, I woke up to five missed calls and a bunch of text messages. um, And I woke up to the news that my friend had died by suicide. Mm. And so that was extremely hard to hear and extremely hard to deal with. And the grief for something that happens like that is just so complex. It kind of never goes away and it kind of pokes at you like when you least expect it. I actually have a memorial tattoo for my friends here on my wrist. So it's his name in Hindi and then it's a D20. So it's like a 20 sided dice from Dungeons and Dragons. So it's kind of, it's kind of my reminder every day to keep rolling. Like every, not every day is going to be a 20. Some days are going to be ones and some days are just going to be in between. But I found that, the mental health stigma is something that I have been fighting like ever since I figured out that it was a thing because I have depression I have anxiety. I mean, I'm a very anxious person. Um, but it's just, I want to be someone who talks about it and makes it a little bit easier for other people to be able to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's sort of like where my passion lies and that my friend sort of saved me because he, made me focus on my mental health, because I was not doing well either. And we were at a very high pressure school. And mm-hmm. then I made the switch to a very high pressure career. So taking care of my mental health has just been something that has frankly kept me alive. So that's yeah. why I care about it so much.
0: Well, thank you for sharing your story. I know that that's probably a tough thing to talk about and have to like relive within seconds on the Again, but I think um, I think people don't realize too, like how how close it hits to home. Whether like they're dealing with it, or they have a friend, or they've lost a friend uh, to mental health issues, and um, I don't even like calling it issues, which is mental health, like with what people are going through. And a lot of that can be circumstantial. A lot of it can be the way just we are wired and born with. And I think people now I think are starting to have more empathy with people like yourself or other people like in the spotlight who are coming forward and talking about like, this is, this is an issue. This is a real thing. I think like you said, Mm -hmm. does make it so that people can feel more comfortable talking about that. I even noticed within, I think my own company, I think when I first started, uh, you know, in the working world, it wasn't something anyone talked about. It was more just, everyone just gets burnt out, but that's what, that's what we do. And you just are meant to keep going. And, um, you know, or you have circumstances where in your life you deal with something and like you just continue on and, I think it takes a lot of work or some for some folks like a breaking point uh, to get the realization of like what they need is help, whether that's therapy or something like that. So but I noticed that when I lead with vulnerability and I talk very honestly about myself and not and still I very much love being a positive like force and reinforcement, but I think the more people can feel comfortable and not everyone will, a lot of people will kind of wait and hold it. And even when you do create a space, like just don't feel comfortable. So,
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: but I, I, like what you said about like being able to be more forthcoming. Cause I think others definitely will too. Um, so I think right now <laughs> there's a lot of things in the world that can impact and uh, be triggers for our own mental health, but what do you think are kind of big drivers with some mental health problems in just like the space that you're in right now, like in B2B marketing or what you've seen being like in high pressure roles, like what are some of the common um, drivers you think that can really set people into dealing with their mental health or for folks who already do struggle? What can be like big, like play big impacts and maybe triggering them to have setbacks?
1: Well, in B2B marketing, it could be as simple as it's the end of the quarter and you didn't hit your numbers or you're close to hitting them and you're just like a few leads away from from success. And I think we, as a profession, we take things personally um, because it's like, this is our life. This is our career. And I think that's a big part of it. There's a lot of pressure. Um mm-hmm but there's also a lot of toxic work environments and places that don't really adhere to a nine to five that are kind of like, you just have to work, 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 work. Um, and not like the Rihanna song. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, it's just, it's just, it, there's a lot of unhealthy mindsets, especially in B2B marketing, just because everyone is trying to work so hard and accomplish so much. But at the end of the day, you can only accomplish you can only accomplish so much and mm-hmm. having like a healthy work-life balance is something that you have to be really really strong with your boundaries to get mm-hmm. people to respect if you like i log off right at five and i have coworkers who will do things after because they're in a different time zone but um they're really respectful of my time and i'm glad that they honored that because I've had other I've been at other places where maybe that wasn't honored so much. Like maybe someone needed me to get back online at like eight o'clock and fix something. And I earlier in my career I would do that. And now I'm kinda like I have had burnout to the nth degree and I kind of know like, okay, I'm gonna not do that. I'm going to set my boundary. It's not the end of the world. Like we're not trying to we're not trying to do like rocket science or anything. We're just trying to grow. And sometimes we just need to take a step back.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I always say that like, we're not, you know, in some case we're, we're supporting lives, but we're definitely not saving lives here. So <laughs> even if some companies will make you think like they are, but like, you know, we're like in, especially in B2B SaaS, like, you know, they're, are cases where things are blown up a bit more out of proportion, but there's just a lot of heightened expectations. I think that's kind of what you're alluding to as well. Mm -hmm. And I think that can be hard when you're like a VC backed startup and you are just receive some funding or you're trying to gear up to get more. There's a lot of pressure And a lot of those goals or milestones or expectations are set from a group of people that, you know, aren't even really doing all of that work. And they're just kind of like coming up with their growth goals based on what makes sense for the business. So that can be really tricky. I think a lot of Companies think too the fat, like the faster you go, the more you do, the more is more. Like you said, work, work, work kind of cultures will help you get there, but only to a certain point. And then also, when people are then get to a point where they're super burnt out or they aren't loving their jobs, like they're probably more likely to mistake, make mistakes or treat someone poorly, which then causes mm-hmm. a bad culture, which then has someone blowing up, which then has people leaving, which then you're trying to hire. So it's just this trickle kind of effect. So um, I'm all for growth. We definitely help a lot of our clients with their growth. And I don't think that startups are a bad place to work. I think they can be amazing. But I think as... And the only people we can really control is like ourselves, like you said. Like you you take the time to really figure out like how can I set boundaries? How can I – and what makes sense? Like I, I think in some ways like if you want to also make sure things are like kind of fair and if you can't meet the expectations, like have those conversations like with your, your manager and be very upfront of like what what's a good environment for you. It's Kind of like what you did on your own. You're like, well, I'm going to choose and – environment that works for me or a role that works for me and so um which can be hard to do when you're in the thick of it so uh these are all just kind of tips to kind of like keep in mind but know that if you aren't doing them there's nothing against you it doesn't mean you're doing anything bad it it can be really hard to see through the woods as they would say when you're going through something so um what do you think are kind of like some of the common like health issues. I know you mentioned burnout, um and but anything else that you see uh within the space that you think is like have been impacted by these like high pressure uh environments.
1: Yeah, I think that there's definitely also like disordered eating can definitely come from working constantly and not not like mm. n- eating food that nourishes you and kind of just like you forget to eat sometimes or maybe you stress eat. And so it's just another part of the equation, especially mm. it sometimes it comes hand in hand and burnout. Sometimes it doesn't, but it's just stress manifests in a lot of different ways. Some people get headaches, some people eat, some people just, it's just coping mechanisms and the way your body processes it. Cause it's, our bodies still process stress in the same way they did when we were back hanging out with mammoths. It's, we start sweating, we start panicking, our heart rate goes up, and we're just, it's its like it engages as part of our brain that in all of my psychology and cognitive science classes, we talked about lizard brain, because it's just, it's just, oh, there's a threat, have to have threat response. Mm. Um, so there's, there's a lot of that, I think, in, in what happens when we're starting to get like little, the little things that lead up to burnout.
0: So yeah, I think anxiety like is at an all time high for sure. I I think also too like that especially in a lot of the uh people that are do well in the roles like that we we uh speak to in our space like in demand gen marketing, you know revenue ops, marketing ops. A lot of folks are um, probably deal with some type of like perfectionism kind of like situation too and so when you do have that it can play very what (laughs) I would say play victim to just like not sending boundaries but wanting to please wanting to uh you know not let people down and essentially wanting to make everything perfect and that can be really hard because I think the older you get, the more you're in, uh, in the workforce, you realize, wow, not, nothing's perfect. Like we're all dealing with like these imperfect situations, but just trying to like make the best of them or make the best of our jobs and, um, deal with like some of the chaos. So I think, um, but also with, un- with a lot of work ahead of us that doesn't really slow down. So it's trying to be able to, you know, take away the pressures from, I think, what we think is expected of us or wanting to let people down and really think like about ourselves first. Because I think we always think about others. Like, are we letting these people down? What is this person going to think? But we never really think about, oh, am I letting myself down by doing this? Am I impacting myself? And so I think self-advocacy is something that I'm just a fan of because I will say personally, I, I really struggled with that. I really struggled in, uh, when I entered the workforce. I'd work until like 3 a.m. just to try and get, you know, things done, like reporting. I've had managers be like, I need you to do reporting like every Sunday and I did it um, or certain things like that. And I got to a point where I just realized like, doesn't need to be like that it doesn't have to be like that and you can find a situation or figure out a place where you don't have to do that and you're still great at what you do and if anything when you give yourself the breathing room and the space to fill up your cup like you do your job better Yeah. I would say there's,
1: there's definitely a lot uh. of people pleasers in the profession. I mean, I myself am yeah. <laughs> I'm a recovering people pleaser. I never want to say no. I want to say yes to everything. I want to be the universal yes woman and just take on everything. But at the end of the day, it's just not sustainable. And you have to. it's okay to say yeah. no. It's okay to find professional business ways to be like, are you sure this aligns with our priorities right now? Or... I have a lot on my plate. Would be, would be able to push out those deadlines? And just, just the how knowing how to say no is really hard, and it's really important.
0: Yeah, I think people kind of respect you for it. Like, some I think as a manager, it's harder too to uh, like ass- assess a situation without like the full facts. So if a team member is overwhelmed, I'm always like constantly trying to ask about that. But it's also the person be but definitely be really upfront, like be honest. Cause uh, and like you said, like say something when you can, because I, I think I'll, it, whoever you're working with probably won't feel bad about it. They'll even respect you for saying like, thank you for letting me know. Thank you for realizing that there's too much here. You know, how can I help instead of like not meeting those deadlines, but over committing and then not hitting them. And then expectations were high, but then delivery was low. So that's one thing, too, is like I think it has an alternative effect where people will will really value when you're being honest around what you can and what you can do and really having some of that uh, boundary instead of just always saying yes. Um, okay, so I want, well, actually, another point on this, but how has COVID or or even the recent economic slowdown you think played a impact it on mental health because I think for some folks they might have already these tendencies like for anxiety or um, have some things that they already have mentally that they deal with. But I think for some folks they may be real, figure, like dealing with some of this for the first time where it's like these external factors that are weighing down on them or, or these situations with the world that then can impact their mental health and make it hard to show up the way they want at work. Do you, do you see that as like a, a big uh, role? Like right now, do you see that show up in different ways um, amongst people? Yeah. I mean, on top
1: of, on top of everything that we're handling at work and now in the outside world, especially in tech, we have fear of layoffs. There's been so many layoffs Mm. and that just adds to the anxiety and the am I able to say no? If I say no, like what are the consequences? Mm -hmm. Like, do I need to be working constantly to like save myself from this thing? And I hope that that's not the case, but I I worry that that is probably the case in some companies. But um, Mm -hmm. I would say to just, if you need to take time, if you need, if you're worried about a Supreme court ruling or something like that, something that's just got you where you can't work go for a walk talk to someone call a friend or a mentor talk through it you're not alone you're not the only person that's feeling like this you can even reach out to a colleague and just be be like hey in a a one-on-one with your manager be like hey i really need to just like have a place to process sort of like what's going on in the outside world would that be okay you always want to make sure that it's okay with the other mm-hmm. person because you don't want to accidentally become more of a burden on them. Like your manager isn't a therapist, mm-hmm. um, your best friend's not a therapist, your partner's not a therapist. But we have a lot of opportunities these days to have like on-demand therapy with apps like BetterHelp and Talkspace <sighs> and stuff like that. So mm. um, those yeah. have really come to a very big popularity bubble in COVID just because it's given people a way to do therapy remotely, to be able to talk to someone. And so that's that's something that I've seen a lot. And that's kind of how yeah. I deal with everything that's happening right now.
0: Yeah. I think I like that you were talking about to like ask for someone to hold space for you, because I think uh, it's true. Like sometimes we'll want to just, take our anxieties put that on on someone else and then they may not have the ability to really hold the space for you so i think um that like realizing okay do i have the people around ask first if not like what are and then but also realizing okay is what i'm dealing with need an extra like you know set of attention on it. Like, would I be better off, like, kind of working with a third party? And I think that that therapy is something which I think is becoming less Mm -hmm. stigmatized, which is good. At the same time, um, maybe people go to, uh, like, physical therapists or they go see a trainer, but then they think it's weird when you go see, uh, you know, an actual, uh, you know, talk therapist or uh, someone for mental health. And I think that needs to be just looked at as – Pretty much one of the one in the same. brains. They um, have muscle memory, and, just
1: like yeah, just like our bodies. Like runners, their body knows how to run. Warriors, our brains know how to worry. And therapy and stuff like that—they <laughs> really are like physical therapists for your brain. They kind of teach you how to stop going down the same neural pathways and try to learn how to challenge thoughts and challenge things. So, um, if you're listening to this and you are have always been Considering therapy, I really hope that this can be your sign to maybe be like, okay, maybe I do need to try therapy, especially if you're a man, because there's such a stigma against men Mm -hmm. needing help, and and that is something that we have seen in COVID is that the number of men that have died by suicide keeps going up, and especially for men of color. Mm -hmm. So, if anything, if you're listening to this and you're on the fence, just just do it. It'll help and mm-hmm. if it's not a good fit there's so many therapists i've been through three in the last like six months because fit is really important um and you need to have someone that understands you and can actually help you so
0: mm-hmm. totally well i think a lot of people view it like uh, in the certain cultural aspects but just as like weakness but um You know, weakness is when you have hit, like, a breaking point where you're at the bottom and you can't do anything, can't help, like, you know, if anything, therapy and realizing you need it and seeking it out, that is, like, a strength. Like, you were able to make that decision. And also get you to a place where you can be stronger, he- healthier mentally. And I'm glad you said something about men because I do think that I, th- I talk about that a lot. And I mean, even with like, you know, we see a uptick again of like mass shootings and, you know, majority of those are led by men and. It's not like, uh, you know, directly correlated, but I do think that men really struggle to have outlets or have a society around them that tells them that they can be in tune with their mental health. And so, yeah, I I definitely think if you're thinking about it, it, like, try it out. Like, talk therapy can be one space. You don't even have to bother anyone around you. No one will know about it. Something that you can have yourself and see how it goes. It's a gift for yourself,
1: and you don't have to tell anyone unless you want to. And I I think, so as someone who was 19 miles down the road from this most recent, the Highland Park shooting, um, I think there's also pressure for men to protect their families. I think that's like a societal pressure. And so I feel like when these things happen, Mm. I feel like they might be the ones that are thinking like, oh, we're out in public, like, I have to protect my family at all costs. And and just, like, this is a good opportunity mm-hmm. to reach out and start talking to someone about all these pressures that you're under outside of work. Because if you're under a lot of pressure both in and outside of work, I don't know how you're not cracking under all the pressure. So that's that's my soapbox mm-hmm. for, for yeah. therapy for men is acceptable. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no I'm glad I'm glad you're talking about it um so for for uh for some of us who maybe are on the outside uh, or maybe happen to be dealing with um maybe we're in a spot with our mental health where we don't feel very good about it um you know what are some signs that we might be struggling a friend or someone might be struggling or direct report like, what are some of the signs that ourselves should look out for or things that we would see in other people that might show that there could be an issue there? For
1: me, I notice, um, I either do one of two things. If I'm feeling really stressed, I either, I'll get like very, I'll snap at people and like, I don't like to do that at all. I don't want to be a bad guy ever. Um, But I'll notice I'll get irritated with my coworkers like super easily. And I sometimes uh, like, that's just a way that negative energy is coming out. Um, but other times I'll completely shut down. So I, I, whenever I'm mm-hmm. in a bad place, my communication is just gone. My communication skills are gone. I don't tell anyone I'm struggling. Mm-hmm. It's, it also happens with deadlines. If I'm running behind on a deadline, I'd rather go silent than admit that I'm going to be late on something. And that's something that I'm really working on because mm-hmm. it's okay. It's not a failure. It's just you didn't have enough time. Mm -hmm. and it's not you doing anything wrong so that's something that i'm working on but i would say if you have if you have like a direct report or a coworker who's usually really chatty or like very spirited and all of a sudden they're quieter and not speaking up maybe not really checking in as much in your one-on-ones with them just it's okay to ask you can say like hey I've noticed that you've just been a little bit low energy lately. Is there something that you want to talk about, or can we hold space for for you to talk about? Like, is something going on in your personal life? And at the end of the day, like, work is part of it's part of our full lives. Like, we we can't really separate ourselves from it fully. So, I think yeah, I think acknowledging that our mental health impacts us at work is extremely important.
0: Yeah. I, I agree. I, I think thinking about like myself or others, like, I think when you get to a spot, you can really shut down. So I think that's a really good thing to like, look out for, like if people are a bit more quiet or, um, I think also some people can be like very high performing in their jobs, but actually like really struggling. Um, I, I, I've done this, sometimes I'll even be more high performing, uh, just because I'll put a lot of effort into an area that I like or excel in. And then I'll, I'll be, you know, to make up for the fact where I feel like I might be failing in something else. But really, like, you're probably just spitting your wheels because you're just like, pretty burnt out mentally. But so that productivity or so looking, I think, to know that there can be people who are very, very productive, but um, could be struggling so I think it's good to you know check in I think for one like if you're a manager I think or a leader checking in with your team uh, you know in your one-on-ones and um, don't just go in straight into like are you hitting your deadlines like really talking about like you know how are things personally how have you been feeling how has work been um, we do like kind of like a check-in internally at CS2, even before one-on-ones that just get sent to the manager, which, and part of it is like, you know, rating your work-life balance, kind of doing a check-in of like how things are going, like an accomplishment, maybe some things that maybe you feel like you need more help or resources. But I think a big thing is before you get into the work part, really like you are, like you said, like we uh, work is a big part of our lives because we are humans and we're doing the work. And it's realizing that your team is the same way. And I think, and for those who have a manager who's doing that, try to see if you can be like honest and very honest and upfront. And don't just wait until like your breaking point to really be honest, because that can be very confusing for the manager too. And um, you want to build kind of a sense of trust with each other. But I think, foremost, like if you're in a position where you have a team and you're a manager and you have that position like holding if you can right (laughs) if you can if you can at least like do a a good job to check in but then also hold the space because sometimes people just want to talk things through so if you if you do have someone on the team who's really struggling with just the load of everything even just talking through okay what can we do to help with that what are some things that we can do to bring something in like and don't you know, have it be a conversation, but also just try and get them to kind of like see things because when we're overwhelmed, we just don't see even the smallest simple things in front of us and the answers. So being maybe the, the clarity or bringing a sense of clarity for people can really help them break away from that pattern. Like you said, and there's like worry and too much and overwhelm. And then that makes us like not be able to do any of our work. <laughs> so <laughs> It can have like impact, so, but I think if you can, I highly suggest like some managers or leaders just create a space that where their person can be vulnerable and honest and trustworthy. but it takes time like if um, you don't want it to be like not genuine either.
1: I see a thing on LinkedIn quite a bit now called leading with empathy. And I think that is definitely something that mm-hmm. is needed when we have a world that is kind of like crumbling around us and we're trying to keep working so um there's thought leaders out there that are talking about this kind of stuff so if you need help and you're a leader and you need you need to better understand like how can i be more vulnerable with my team and stuff like that there's resources out there that are really great
0: oh yeah yeah 100 percent I love a lot of, like, Brene Brown's work. If uh, She has a podcast. It's really easy to listen to if anyone's interested in that. There's tons of resources out there. But, yeah, I think even just typing that in, like, leading or managing with empathy, I think is a good one. Um, and I think for folks, too, it's, like, one thing that can be hard as a, even a manager. So I think for a lot of people doing the work, but then if you're managing doing work and managing people, but also taking care of yourself. Sometimes the taking care of yourself part can be even harder because you're so focused on the people around you. So I think it's also then taking the time to figure out like, you know, checking in, like, cause that can impact your relationships too. Um, but, um, yeah, lead, leadership can feel a bit lonely, but it doesn't have to. You can find mentors. You can find people around you um, who have gone through similar things. So uh, that can play a big role into mental health too, where people don't feel like they have the, you know, the support. But maybe create a support system that I think can help. Um, but I think mentorship is something that's like underrated in the workforce, um, especially when it's, uh, a third party or outside of your work, like finding kind of mentors or even being a mentor can actually teach you a lot about yourself and just that reward or that, um, the forethought, or even being able to see people go through situations that you've been through, I think can one be rewarding and make you happy, but just that exchange of helping another person can, really help you or maybe even see where you're struggling too when you find someone else is going through the same thing. Cool. Well, um, let's see. How can – well, we've we've kind of already talked about this a little bit with therapy, but how do you think folks can – uh, take control of their mental health and seek out help like what are just some easy ways to do that I know we've talked through a few of them yeah, but any of them um, that we've left not out to be so
1: cheesy far? but I, I talk about this with my partner all the time but it's those it's sometimes it's just like crunchy granola things that help with your mental health that you don't want to work you don't want it you don't want like a walk to help you're like oh that's silly like everybody does that that's what you're supposed to do. But when you do the things that you're supposed to do, like reading a self-help book or listening to an audiobook about setting boundaries, like I highly recommend, uh, set boundaries, find peace. I'm working through it right now and it is such a help. Um, but just like taking time to meditate. If you're mm. feeling really anxious before like a QBR an NBR or something, just like do a five minute meditation on YouTube You'll feel so much better. You'll be more in tune with your body, and that just is like that's like a life hack in and of itself. But um, also making Mm -hmm. time to do things like coloring. Adult coloring books are a thing for a reason. They're very, very easy to like zen out with, and I I think just also having hobbies and um, something that I always try to do is I Mm -hmm. I always try to be in a class of some sort. That way I'm meeting people with common interests as me and we're able to bond about those. And I'm also able to like learn about new skills. So I've taken creative writing classes. I've done a stand up class. Mm. Um, and right now I take guitar lessons. So just always trying to grow yourself in some sort of way outside of work is really important because I feel like there's a lot of focus on professional development. But at the end of the day, you need to work on personal development too so that you can grow as a, as
0: a full human. Totally, yeah. I think also it can be very enlightening when you're maybe faced with a situation where that thing that you put all your effort and and self identity into, and if that's impacted or taken away in any manner, that can be really. You may not even realize until that happens. Um, uh, personally, when I became a mother, and I even had to like you know leave work, or I had you know that was like huge for me I had this like you know new responsibility and new job when I was so used to a job that I felt comfortable in I could do whatever I knew I could solve but I had all these problems that I've never solved before don't even know if I can they just things you have to deal with and that was a big kind of uh, you know mental hit Uh, so I I agree like trying to find that um, you know the making your life dynamic your life is dynamic and if anything i i love it now because being a mother has opened up a world of a lot of other things besides work and other you know or exercising which i am a big fan of exercising i do think it's really great for mental health but when that's only like hobby you have that can play other mental problems so having that (laughs) that balance in your life of the things that you really care about and And also um, just like the positions in your life, being a good friend, a partner, um, you know, like you said, having hobbies, meeting new people, just that dynamic nature to your life um, takes away the power and the stronghold that, um, say, just work has on you, but also makes you better at your job too, because you can come back to that with maybe new ideas, fresh perspectives, Um, and when we're not burned out, like there's so much you can do in an eight hour day (laughs) when you don't feel exhausted. So, um, yeah, I, I love those ideas and good for you for taking guitar lessons. Do you, Um, have you learned any songs? like full songs yet?
1: before I went on my leave of absence back in December and then I kind of like fell off of them. And my dad's a big guitar player. He actually, his, his band just played at the. Knox County Fair in Illinois last night, so it's like this teeny tiny county fair, but he's been into music for our entire lives and it's music been a big uh. part of me and my brothers' lives as well. So it's just a great it's a great way to just it's it's fun to learn and it's fun to kind of be really terrible at something. <laughs> Cause you know you're bad and like and when you have those little <laughs> successes it feels like even greater because you learned something. Um, so it's like, it makes, it makes making mistakes feel a little less terrible, I think.
0: Yeah. And it's funny how much, like, as you get older, making mistakes is like less scary. You're like, or like just doing something embarrassing, (laughs) but it takes time. And, uh, I think you, you realize over, you've learned a lot of those life lessons, but I, I love that. That's really fun. Um, Okay. So for those who maybe are figuring out maybe their working environment can't support them during this time, because I will say there are cases like where you might find like, even with doing all the work, like just a certain working environment and some, you know, some environments don't have a ton of resources or time or, you know, to give people when Mm -hmm. there's like, you know, just depending on the situation, but how can... People just again be kind of a self advocate themselves and really realize like maybe they need to make a change or they need a new with environment. Your job.
1: I know it's really scary, but you can talk to your manager about that because their job should be keeping you happy because they want to keep you. It's cost way. More. It's like acquiring customers. It costs way more to acquire new customers than it does to keep your current customers. So it's the same for recruiting. And so I mm-hmm. actually tried to quit my job once um, and at a different company. And my manager was like, no, 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 no. Because it came out of nowhere. I hadn't told her I was unhappy. I hadn't told her like, hey, I hate what I'm working on. Mm. I hadn't told her any of that. But when I did, we made a plan to sort of like fix things. And it kept me at that company for another year. And it did help. And in some ways, it didn't. But a lot of that was because I was in a profession that I wasn't happy with. And that's also okay. If you're not happy with what you're doing, Mm -hmm. I have known people to switch careers. Like maybe I was even thinking about going into customer success for a while there, just because I have had experience like working in it and working with customers on a daily basis. And I thought maybe marketing is just not Mm -hmm. it for me anymore. So I think it's okay. It's if you're, it's okay to question things and it's okay to sort of, try new things like I I wouldn't be where I'm at today if I hadn't tried Mm -hmm. new things and found that hey I don't like them and there's so many different like kinds of marketing especially in the b2b world so if you're unhappy with what you're doing it's okay to try try something Mm -hmm. else try product marketing try content marketing there's so many things and at the end of the day if you're at a company that makes you unhappy you can quit. <laughs> you can find a new place. There's so many companies out there that are willing yeah. to treat their employees well and are willing to give you work life balance and stuff like that. So, I think there's there's the rule that like, oh, you need to wait a year, you need to wait two years. You don't need to wait. It's time to like take control of your life because you don't you don't want to work a job no. that you can't get out of bed for. You don't want to work a job that makes you physically ill or mentally ill. So, no that's, that's my, I've kind of jumped around, but I have no shame in that because I've learned a lot and I've experienced a lot of industries and I've met a lot of really great people. So.
0: Yeah. I think success isn't linear. So you could have a period of time where maybe you need to step away or you need to, uh, maybe try something else. Um, I think it it's better for everyone when you like make that realization because when you're trying to do something that's expected of you and other people are expecting you to do that too, like that can play an impact in how people view But when you take when you make that realization or try and ask for help or try to figure out a situation, maybe take yourself out if you're not gonna meet those expectations of others or yourself, it's not a bad thing. Like you you, like, just know that, like, it doesn't mean that you're going to be doing that forever. Like you might just need the time and space so that you can just, you know, see, you know, success in other places or even more success. So just know everyone has kind of like those different ups and downs and all over the place. And like you said, like, I think now too, with, with people, like, yes, employers look at, oh, is this person jumping around and stuff like that, but it's so common. And also like the work and the curiosity and the willingness to do whatever job that you're going to be trying to do, I think will outshine maybe situations where you're just, you know, being an advocate for yourself. And you, you can say that, hey, I was just, you know, just trying to find the right path. And this seems like one of them. And For me, And so with your future employers, you can have those conversations too. Mm -hmm. But don't feel like you have to defend yourself at all. Okay, so last thing, um, just quickly, like how do we, if you could have like a statement or to leave everyone who's listening to this, like, how do we be allies for those in our space or in our lives or anywhere who are struggling um, with their mental health? How do we do that? How can we, like, you know, be there or be aware? I am a big fan of the the American Foundation for
1: Suicide Prevention. And not every mental health problem ends or leads to suicide. But they have a lot of really great resources surrounding something called Real Talks. So they have guides for how to have real conversations with people about how they're doing and how Mm. you can kind of connect with each other. And they also have a lot of really great social shareables. So it's a lot of like, it's quotes like tend to your mental health garden or like growth is not linear and things like that. And, and just like, those are fun to share. And it's also good mantras to have. They have great stickers, posters, all kinds of stuff. That's just talking about mental health in a way that is, is open and vulnerable. And
0: that's, Awesome. I love that. We'll have to share that in the description, a link to this, and I'll have to check them out because I hadn't even heard of it before. Awesome. Well, it was great having you on today. I think a super important topic and hope everyone enjoyed the conversation. If people wanted to LinkedIn, connect with you, Courtney
1: Chatterton, uh, where should they find you? Because I want everyone to know everything about me right away. <laughs>
0: Yeah, we'll link to your profile, uh, Courtney. And she does share a lot of great stuff um, on her LinkedIn. Uh, So definitely, uh, you know, connect with Courtney if any of the things that she said today really inspired you or resonated with you. I'm sure she's open to a message or two and connect with her. So Um, yeah, it was great having you on. And for those of you who have been enjoying the forward thinking podcast, feel free to leave us a review, um, or share it with one of your colleagues and friends, and we'll see you next time. Have a good one. Thanks, Courtney. Hi everyone. Before we go, we wanted to say a message. If you or someone you know is struggling with mental health or suicidal thoughts, you can use the hotline numbers below for help. There's the national suicide prevention hotline. Call or text 988-988. They're available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can also text the Crisis Text Line. Text BRAVE, B-R-A-V-E, to 741-741. They are also available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can find help, and there are people there who are willing to. We hope you seek the help you need.